Welcome to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. Today, we'll show you how to use the spirit of love and self worth to improve the connections with everyone else in your life. This program is your weekly gift and it will keep on giving. You'll see. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jean Marie Farish. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Jean Marie Farish, your host for Love Light, and so thrilled for you to be joining us live on the Voice America Network to inspire a lifestyle of love and wholehearted connections through worthiness. Before we proceed with our conversation on love and fatherhood, I personally acknowledge gender roles in relation to cultural diversity, various partnerships, marital and family arrangements that warrant honor and deep respect. Our guest today, Barry Morris II, is not a talker, but a doer. A man who has not only endured, but overcome unbearable personal and family life challenges and thrives in his life and has been an inspiration to show others how to do the same. He really demonstrates that love is a verb. He's involved in significant legislation on improving the child development trajectory from prenatal to age three, issues with adoption and foster child care. He's at the forefront of fatherhood initiatives and currently is working on a documentary with constituents and will soon be launching his new book. I welcome to our show, Barry Morris II. Welcome, Barry. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Jean. Infinite love and gratitude to you on this Friday, the last day of uh, Black History Month at that. Uh, It's really uh, uh, such an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And you've done such a wonderful job bringing us up to speed on all the giants uh, during the Black History Month, uh, reflecting on people from our past and even up to the current future in terms of, uh, you know, what their contributions have been to society and to mankind at large. So I just want to say that I am truly grateful and honored for you doing that during this uh, Black History Month. I appreciate it. Thank you for acknowledging that. It's been an honor. It really has. Well, thank you so much. But Barry, this is what I, when I learned of your challenges, your mission, and your initiatives, I was deeply inspired and impressed. And what came to my mind was men feeling worthy and valued. What do you think about that? And what's your take on that as we move forward with our discussion on fatherhood issues? Sure. No, this is a great discussion. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to really uh, share uh, my opinion. Um, And I would say that this is really not just my own opinion. There's a a shared opinion of uh, of society, I would say, right? I think we all can agree that the role of uh, men and women, especially American men and women at home in the family is as well in the workplace has really transformed over the past uh, decades, especially since the 1960s, right? So we talk about, or, you know, the civil rights movement and 
whether it was, you know, some type of racism or sexism or, you know, even, uh, you know, capitalism versus communism at some point, right? There's always been uh, this transformation that's really happened and impacted really families uh, in particular. So uh, when I think about men and the role of uh, a man as a father, uh, when I think about the rates of divorce and remarriage, you know, single parents and or even people living together that that may have kids, you know, those rates have just continued to rise. And when you think about um, men now in the role uh, of a father, um, most of the time when you think about divorce and, you know, being single or separated as a as a as a husband and wife. Um, you start to really think about um, a father that's most likely not going to be sharing a home with his children, right? And so when you start to talk about those um, scenarios, you start to talk about, hey, how do I stay connected with my children now that I'm no longer in the home? And if the person may have been married, now that they may, they may have to deal with, you know, the ex with another person in the relationship that may end up, you know, sometime being a mother or stepmother or father to, to the child, um, that, you know, men start to feel a little less um, valued in, in the family. And, and quite honestly, uh, there's a serious father factor across this country right now where, uh, there are not a lot of engaged men in the household or in the families because uh, a lot of times women take on the role of being everything. And it's uh, maybe inherent to a belief system that's kind of taken place over the years, right? Where there may have been only women in that family doing, you know, all of the things, whether that means, uh, you know, raising the kids as well as working or, um, you know, just raising the kids alone, right? And there's just right. been this whole traditional mindset back to, as you said, gender roles even, right? There's yes, these, of course. Right? These these labels, we, we've been accepting labels for, for, I mean, honestly, talking again about Black History Month, I, I don't want to go into a lecture about, you know, how labels were meant to divide people from each other when it came to race. But, I mean, labels apply to even the sex uh, and the roles in the families where we kind of accept this definition of what this label is, whether that be man, woman, father, mother. And when that label kind of becomes, if you will, stamped on us when we're born, uh, then there are some meanings that come with that, right? And, and it's that like, is so true. Mm -hmm. Right? And then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, now somebody else is defining our meaning, our identity, and then in a lot of cases, our value. And uh, if that value, uh, especially towards a father or men in particular, isn't quote unquote taught to their children, uh, there's really not going to be any um, love, if you will, <laughs> felt mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. for for that man, for fathers, and and quite honestly, uh, I think that's part of the reason why we're in the situation we are today with so many fatherless homes. Yes, what you know, you speak 
to those issues. And there's so many issues related to family and things are always changing. And I think we have to realize that what affects one member of the family affects all the members of the family and then extends out to society as well. I can speak for myself as well. I was raised by my grandmother and it was more or less a matriarchal family uh, unit. And it was a blessing and also a burden. And, uh, you know, I struggle with, you know, my own issues uh, throughout my life with these issues as well. So this is a very interesting conversation for you to bring forth because it's like things are all throughout society. People are experiencing these issues, but no one is really talking about them. And they're at the forefront in our lives every day. So when I really learned about what you were doing, I was like, gosh, he's really daring to come out and talk about all of these issues. And I think I ran across something that you wrote. You said that the presence and or absence of fathers make a difference. Whether, father, whether fathers are active, inactive, absent, how does it affect children? And, you know, if you really look at the whole picture and, you know, it, we're all tied into this concept of of uh, feeling worthy and valued, and this trickles down I think, to the to the to the females, the the wives, the mothers, the children. So again, no, no, I go no, back no. to what I was saying: what what affects one affects all. So yeah, no, no, no that. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's we've we're a total agreement on you know really every single living individual and organism on this planet has really been collectively intertwined within this universe of ours. We've got all of these systems and cycles that we've really been kind of interconnected through for for generations. And, you know, I'd like to say that while we have our, you know, family lineage, you know, our last name and kind of where we came from based on that, we all came from one humanity that originated from one source of unconditional love. And and I believe that in my heart. Uh, I I believe that, uh, quite honestly, as you said, when one uh, is affected, it is affecting all. And, And quite honestly, we are in a society today where, you know, the rates of mental illness, suicide, domestic violence, incarceration, you name it. Uh, all of these issues are like at just plaguing American society, especially. And the research and evidence is showing the majority of children that end up homeless, that end up dropping out of school, high school, that end up on drugs, come from fatherless homes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, 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 and this is not to say that there's a direct correlation or connection because we know and have heard of many people that have had successful lives, very fulfilled lives without a father present in the home. But this is really more so about an active, engaged father because, right, there are some people in society today that will tell you the structure, the family structure doesn't matter. Right. They will sit up here and say, hey, you know, all the kid needs is somebody there that's going to love them and support them. And family structure is not essential. Yeah. The truth Mm -hmm. is fathers do matter. Mm -hmm. They do. And, And one thing I want to speak to the fact that 
even though we're talking about perhaps uh, fathers not being in the home, I must say that there are families where both parents are there that have the same issues with drug problems and things like that. <laughs> so, oh, there's no, there's no yeah. question. I mean, you yeah. you can be mm-hmm. present, and I've had this discussion many times with many parents and, and advocates. You can be present in the home physically, but completely absent emotionally. Exactly mentally and that's almost worse because to me if i'm seeing my mother or father there day to day and i have no communication no connection no interaction with them i mean there are homes where some kids don't even see their parents because they're working all the time and the nanny's at home taking care of them or some babysitter Right? There are all kinds of scenarios, aren't there? <laughs> Absolutely. And the, the unfortunate thing is in 2017, the last Census Bureau uncovered that there are nearly 20 million children under the age of 18 living with only one parent. And mm-hmm. it's mostly the mother. Um, you know, now we're going to come to a new census here in 2020. Uh, based on statistics and trends, uh, we're probably likely to see that number even higher than it was in 2017, right? And so we really have to understand now that uh, because of this, um, you know, 20 million children living out there with one parent, mostly the mother, um, we are starting to see the numbers of um, uh, fathers leading uh, their homes and children living with their fathers too, more than ever before in history. But, you know, there's still this thing about like almost 25% of children lived in a father absent home. Right. And I think I think in the past we even referred to latchkey kids. Remember that concept? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and also, I think um, what what it's doing, like you're saying, the the mother is playing, you know, roles in in, in all directions, being the breadwinner, taking care of the kid. And what it's doing is having an effect on the health of women. So it's throwing things totally out of kilter. And I remember having an experience uh, being an educator and and in the uh, community network. And there was a comment that, uh, you know, some women, these people are not showing up at the schools for conferences or whatever. I said, have you ever thought that perhaps they're on a job or two jobs and they can't just walk off the job to come to a conference? Right. (laughs) That there are all kinds of situations. And I said, you have to be a little bit more compassionate and aware that there's so many situations and uh, yes. we have to look at different kinds of arrangements. I mean, you know, to, to accommodate people in these different situations, not just take for granted that they're not here because they don't care. Oh, yeah. And and uh, quite honestly, you're bringing up something now that's uh, uh, been quite an issue that's come up uh, with policymakers um, and legislation with after school care and the number of uh, now uh, fatherhood programs uh, that, you know, I've been involved in lately. But, uh, you know, that whole latchkey kid term that you talked about really uh, came about. Uh, when the boomer generation uh, and everybody in that boomer generation went out and started to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, uh, 
go out and women wanted to work, men wanted to work, everybody wanted to work and left the Generation X, my generation, uh, at home to take care of themselves. And a lot of my generation pretty much were the first generation of kids after school or maybe even sometimes before school that was home by themselves and uh, had to kind of figure out and take care of themselves and uh, didn't really have that guidance of maybe both parents in the home. And uh, by the time mom and dad did get home from work, right, they were exhausted and, you know, they didn't have time. You know, Mm -hmm. my mom, you know, she was a single mom and, you know, she came, the last thing she needed to do was then come home and cook and clean the dishes and then, you know, make sure that we did our homework. And, you know, she was trying to kind of survive as a single parent, you know. Exactly, exactly. You know, I've I've been there and, and of course, being on the tail end of the baby boomers, we were trained to, hey, you know, you got to be successful, make a better life for your children, go out and get it, you you know, and we were like forging ahead at neck breaking pace, right, <laughs> you know, absolutely. to try to be successful and, you know, take care of everything. And then, you know, in the meantime, you're, you're falling apart, but you're absolutely. still trying to move forward, you know, to, you know, be sure that you're trying to tie up all the loose ends and build a successful life and a successful career. And at the same time, you're falling apart. <laughs> no, it's true. That's true. And, and quite honestly, to that note, um, you know, there are statistics and studies that show um, the mental health of mothers actually improves when there is an engaged father involved. Of and that's course. whether that's prenatal, during pregnancy and postnatal, even infant mortality rates go up or I should say go down <laughs> uh, yes. when, when uh, there's a father engaged and involved. All right. That is so true. You know, we really need everyone. I think, you know, had it not been for my extended family, you know, uh, it would have been really catastrophic because you're pulling on all the resources and people, the network. And of course, during my time, you know, the community was a village. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so we really supported each other in this communal village arrangement and everybody looked after each other. So it was a different uh, point in time. And I can, as I look back, I'm truly grateful for that experience as I was coming up, uh, pretty much. So we have a whole lot to really talk about and dive deep into. You have done a magnificent job in your mission and your efforts, and I'm so excited to have you on my show today. Thank you, Dr. Jean. Okay, I think we're going to be shortly coming up on a commercial break, but We're going to continue more with you and your discussion on love and fatherhood coming up shortly. So we invite everyone to stay tuned as we uh, prepare for a brief commercial break. So don't go away. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Celebrate the launching of Dr. Jean Marie Farish's new book, Living in the Spirit of Love, to guide you in strengthening and embodying the practice of love in your daily life. 
Connect with us on Facebook and join our Lover's Lane Feel Good Now community. And tune in to the Love Cocktail Minute. Relax, refresh, renew for support and daily inspiration. Life Care Wellness Pep for Angels, Inc. is a nonprofit organization to enrich lives and serve our community with emphasis on serving children who are hospitalized. Join Dr. Jean Marie Farish and Vicki Winterton in their global mission to donate My Joy Journal for Children in English and Spanish to as many children as possible. Order directly from Amazon.com and donate to children in your communities. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. Feel free to connect with our program through email or check out our links on Facebook. Reach Jean at Jean72Farish at Yahoo.com. That's Jean72Farish at Yahoo.com. And now, back to Love Light. You've been listening to Love Light, Living in the Spirit of Love with your host, Dr. Jean Marie Farish. Coming back from commercial break, we will continue with Barry Morris II, Love and Fatherhood. Barry, I uh, would like for you to share a little bit about your story and how you overcame your struggle and how are you a more loving father as a result of your experience and life challenge? Sure. So... Like as I alluded to before, I spoke about before. You know, I was born in Gen uh, in Generation X. I'm 69, baby, and uh, I really like many youths in my generation, uh, even still today. Right, just grew up with this false male role belief system. You know, really uh, was raised. I don't say raised, but kind of just had a misunderstood definition and meaning of the gender roles, especially as it related to masculinity. And so, you know, um, through no fault of anything that my parents did, you know, they, you know, when they separated early in my, me and my sister's life, um, you know, my father's presence, um, his show of affection, and really I would say his active involvement throughout my childhood, 
and even my teenage years after they finalized their divorce was pretty limited and, and inconsistent. You know, um, we not to say he wasn't there. You know, we did the some of the father stunts uh, things, you know, like, you know, basketball and, you know, sports. Right. But when it came to uh, other things, uh, I, I just I just didn't really see that. And, you know, be after the divorce, you know, I really felt alienated from family members. Uh, when my parents divorced, uh, they had moved and we were in uh, the Detroit, Michigan area. But uh, my family are native New Yorkers. So everybody in my family really was back in the Northeast. And we were there in the Midwest. And I just felt disconnected from, from anything and anybody that really I felt love from. And, uh, you know, as a result, in this, you know, in teenage life, my resentment just grew and grew, especially towards my dad. And, um, you know, really my lack of self-awareness uh, and, and lack of self-control more than anything, right? Just understanding, looking into myself, trying to figure out why I was so angry. Uh, really just, uh, I, I mismanaged a lot of that anger and and uh, made some bad choices and, you know, got involved in, you know, gang stuff and, you know, s substance abuse and, you know, criminal activity and uh, ended up uh, in, in, uh, in prison by the time I was 18. So I, I never graduated high school. I got my GED in the county jail and essentially spent, you know, five to 20 years of my life from 1987 um, to, uh, really, um, <laughs> uh, 92, uh, in, in prison. And, uh, the interesting thing about this was, uh, I joined a record number of young adult black men and women between the ages of 18 and 25, uh, that were being incarcerated at that time. Um, you know, that was the, the, the unfortunate thing was, uh, the age of uh, average age of you know black people at that time men in particular was like 18 19 um crack cocaine was on the streets just destroying uh destroying society honestly mm -hmm. um, and yeah. uh you know honestly i sat there in in, in prison and you know i i just asked myself um you know do i want to spend the rest of my life like this um, you know, I had seen guys that had talked to guys there, you know, pretty much become institutionalized. There were some caught up in the cycle in and out. And I just I, I just was like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life like this. And, um, you know, I, I broke down on my knees one time. Uh, you know, I. You know, you see these movies about guys that go into solitary confinement when they're in prison. Well, you know, uh, it happened to me, you know, a week after I was there, I was fighting, still fighting and spent a week there in the solitary confinement. And I broke down and that was when I really accepted um, Christ in my life. You know, I'm oh, really yes. was, uh, brought up uh, mm -hmm. Christian faith. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom uh was raised in Catholic church. You know, she grew up in old school New York where they had the nuns that would, you know, slap your knuckles mm -hmm. with the rulers and <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know, and that was the school she came from. And then 
for me, I was like, I really didn't understand that when I, you know, was in high school, especially. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I broke down on my knees and accepted everything that God had uh, for me. And uh, my life really transformed ever since then. And uh, after being released from prison in 92, um, you know, I had already come out of prison and I had uh, an associate's degree. I had been accepted to a college there and uh, transferred, um, relocated to St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, my mom had relocated there and uh, I ended up uh, getting my bachelor's degree in business. Wow. And, Wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was a dual major, so I had business administration and information systems. And so this was at a time when the web stuff was just starting. So when I graduated in 92, um, I'm sorry, you know, when I was released in 92. So from 92 to 96, that was a time when like Windows 95 and all of the technology really, really started to get big then. Yes. And so uh, I got into the web stuff. And so for me, um, it was more about my education and getting my college degree and really the opportunities that opened up for me because of my college degree in IT at a time when really things were just starting to open up. And, you know, now we're in an environment where there's nothing but technology. Everything's on the web now. And Right. There are so many jobs that go unfilled in this country now because they don't have the skills to fill. Mm -hmm. That's true. You know, I really appreciate your authenticity and sharing your heartfelt story. And there are a couple of things I want to speak to. Number one, gangs are were considered to be or are considered to be family members. Right. (laughs) You, you talked about that issue, you know, uh, of, of joining gangs. It's like a family. You're connecting to another group, especially if you feel alienated for, from your own family. And that's so exactly re- what it was for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, so I, I didn't have that family connection at home, so exactly. I went to the streets. Exactly. Exactly. And another point also, I think when there's divorce and separation and all of that and you see, uh, you know, uh, perhaps the mother or the father even getting more alienated. I think we don't realize the grief that they're experiencing. Oh, mm. Right? And, and we're kind of still expecting them, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You know, help me, help me. And they're like, look, I'm on my last leg. I'm trying to go to this job. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to keep it together. And uh, they're consumed with grief. And I think I've, I've read a lot of your work where you spoke to, you know, parents in grief or even the loss of a, a, a family member, you know, during the Absolutely. era. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, with family Dr. murders. Gina, and things. I just spoke to uh, somebody, a group of guys Tuesday about that thing. And the question was, you know, going back to childhood, what do you remember most about your father? And, you know, going again to this whole traditional uh, male role belief system, my dad was the guy, you know, he was the strong one. He could Mm -hmm. never be hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. masculine Mm -hmm. ego. And Mm -hmm. uh, I remember him crying. Yes. The first time. And he was crying because of what conflict him and my mom were going through in the divorce. Yeah. And. 
you know, I was like 12 years old and seeing my dad cry was like, like, wow. Like I was confused. Right. Mm-hmm, Cause mm-hmm. again, again, I'm brave. <laughs> Men don't cry. They don't exactly. show emotion. Right? right. Why? What's going on? You know, what happened? You saw and, him as weak. You even saw him as weak probably. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? It's not even so much that I saw him weak. I saw him vulnerable, Okay, but, but what happens is the societal conditioning equates that when men show emotions, that's being weak, right? Mm-hmm. And that's taught, right? Mm-hmm. Even so much now today in society, man or woman, any bravery is all about not being weak, right? Right, right. It has nothing to do, bravery and being weak are two totally separate things. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're, uh, I think uh, we, if we get into these traditional roles and expectations of, you know, what's a good father or a good mother or whatever, or that men, you know, they engage in the more traditional roles and then the women engage, engage in more. The, and there's this division, you know, clear division. So if the man, you know, becomes more expressive, you know, and you're, you're trained not to. And there's right. a lot of research coming out now about men becoming more expressive because we all have feelings and emotions that we need to express. But, you know, sometimes, for lack of a better word, it's dumbed down because society says you can't act that way. Well, and, <laughs> and it's the truth. And mm-hmm. These boys are growing up in society and kind const- of, const- I'm sorry, constantly have been raised in society for years suppressing their feelings exactly basically denying that they even have emotions that again right are now associated with being a woman right exactly right so again if you Mm -hmm. show emotion if you show love that's like female emotions and you're not one of the guys when you start being soft like that right well you can't do those things and quite honestly that was what happened to me and uh and what's happened to a lot of young boys in our society and this conditioning since childhood reinforcing these false identities, these false thinking beliefs about what a man is and what masculinity has really, really uh, created some adverse outcomes and consequences in society today. Exactly. And I want to speak uh, to about, you know, going back to your experience, fathers transitioning from prison. I spent uh, almost a decade, I had a private counseling practice Uh, helping people from all walks of life transition from prison to reintegrate into the community. Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenge was not the clients, but the rejection and the judgment of society. Absolutely. And and for, for, for some of the men, Child support issues were at the forefront, and I would be uh, their voice. I would spend hours on the phone with authorities trying to negotiate because as soon as they were free, they had a mountain of child support charges facing them with risk of going right back to prison. Of course. And not not only that, but being a support for them with job skills, living arrangements, family reconnections and family counseling. The challenges were were just endless. Mm 
And, no, some, and, and, and let me just say this. Someone would say to me, they said, Doc, you know, it, it, it's just too hard. And they, they, they would tell me, someone would say, I'm giving you the heads up. I'm going back. It's too hard. It's right. too hard. Right. And, uh, you know, working in this area really made me a better teacher, a better counselor, mm-hmm. and more accepting, more compassionate, and more empathic mm-hmm. because, you know, people really don't realize, you know, what people go through. Right. And, and this judgment and lack of acceptance, uh, really, I mean, I, I experienced it firsthand right, <laughs> with right. people transitioning from. Yeah, well, I, I have to tell you, too, there, there's uh, there's two things to that. And I'll say, you know, specifically for me, you know, there was one thing about my education and getting the degree. But I really had to come to a personal self-awareness yes. and identity within myself to say my past does not define who I am. What I did in the past does not determine what I do in the future. Yes. What it does do is act really as a learning point, a lesson for me to understand uh, what maybe uh, some issues are uh, that cause me to feel a certain way. And, uh, you know, the great thing about it is uh, now that I have those lessons learned and I'm now working with fathers, uh, there's actually uh, through this program working with, uh, you know, where there's a father engagement program just for men that are incarcerated. So, you know, right now they say 89 percent, almost nine out of 10 right people that are incarcerated are, are men. Right. And, mm-hmm. and most of these guys are fathers. Right. And we understand that, you know, depending on how long you're going to be in jail, you're not going to be connected to your family. You're not going to communicate with them. Right. And so there's that piece while they're there. And then returning the community and to the family at some point is a whole nother issue. And uh, sadly, most inmates are released. Uh, they're ill-equipped to to face the problems that put them in jail in the first place, much less face the issues that they're dealing with at home. And so, um, you know, what we really want to start to do uh, through this inside outside, uh, I'm sorry, it's called Inside Out Dad. Um, uh, it's a fatherhood program that I'll talk a little bit about later. Okay. Uh, that really... Uh, uh, has uh, brought forth some exciting statistics to uh, reduce recidivism rate as well as uh, disciplinary actions while in prison uh, when they are really participating and still engaged with, with their families and their children. Well, I see that you really made your time count, and I, I think uh, prison really saved your life and brought you to a new level of awareness where now you have your new mission and initiatives where you can take your experience and help men thrive and families as well. So I am so excited about your charge and your initiatives to help families Absolutely. in all areas. So, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about the work that you're doing in this well-needed area of uh, families that kind of is an unspoken uh, issue. It has. It's been the elephant. uh, uh, Yeah, the elephant in the room. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, We're going to take a brief commercial break, so don't go away. We'll be right back with guest Barry Morris II on Love and Fatherhood.
America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Celebrate the launching of Dr. Jean Marie Farish's new book, Living in the Spirit of Love, to guide you in strengthening and embodying the practice of love in your daily life. Connect with us on Facebook and join our Lover's Lane Feel Good Now community and tune in to the Love Cocktail Minute. Relax, refresh, renew for support and daily inspiration. Life Care Wellness Pep for Angels, Inc. is a nonprofit organization to enrich lives and serve our community with emphasis on serving children who are hospitalized. Join Dr. Jean Marie Farish and Vicki Winterton in their global mission to donate My Joy Journal for Children in English and Spanish to as many children as possible. Order directly from Amazon.com and donate to children in your communities. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you aware that each one of us was born with a mission? A sense of purpose. Even if you don't know it yet, it will reveal itself. Pay attention to the clues that will lead you to uncover your mission. Listen to Mission Possible program with host Carol Ann Fernandez. Along with some amazing guests, Carol Ann seeks to help you along the journey to manifest your mission. It's time to unleash your greater potential. Mission Possible program airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Love Light with Dr. Jean-Marie Farish. Feel free to connect with our program through email or check out our links on Facebook. Reach Jean at Jean72Farish at Yahoo.com. That's Jean72Farish at Yahoo.com. And now, back to Love Light. Well, welcome back to our show, Love Light, uh, with your host, Dr. Jean Marie Farish. If you're just joining us, we are with our guest, Barry Morris II, on love and fatherhood. And we're going to continue with this wonderful discussion. Barry, what um, can you can you talk to us about self-love for fathers? What are what are some things that men can do to more or less care for themselves and love themselves mm. and feel worthy? Mm. Yeah, I think, again, this is uh, what I'd like to uh, do uh, in in my weekly, uh, sometimes uh, daily, depending on my work week. You know, I, I really um, have affirmations that um, I share uh, and uh, meditate. Um, a lot of things that I really uh, talked to you about earlier when it comes to identity and really self-identity um, have to do with uh, a personal commitment to really shed the labels 
And when I say shed the labels, um, we are not, you know, I think you know, put it in a guy's term, right? And guys yeah. love cars, right? <laughs> right. And uh, you've got cars. And unfortunately, we've lived in a society where maybe you are defined by the kind of car you drive, right? Exactly. Right? Well, mm-hmm. those cars have a label, right? And, you know, could be Chevy, whatever. And based on that label, it could be a Porsche, right? You mm-hmm. have kind of a higher value associated mm-hmm. with oh, that They label. can relate to the car thing. Right, right, right. right. So this is what I'm saying, though, right? How often do you want to continue when it comes to your physical body now, that car that you walk with and run with every day? That's your car, really, our body. All right. That's what we call a car, the body of a car. So I've got my body. You've got your body. How often do we like to be judged by our body when we are living life right that's that's what a great analogy because you know we look at these material things to stand us up and make us feel important while we're breaking down Hmm. and this image of the car and i'm driving a fancy car i'm living in a nice home but boy if you walk in that home it's depressing (laughs) and and the outer society sees you as successful you're successful and you're falling apart so you're speaking to some significant points about coming to terms with yourself meditating becoming more becoming more self-aware shedding the labels Right, it is, and and I and I really believe, Dr. Gene, as you know, you grow in that self-awareness. Right, again, that's when you start to shed those labels that maybe others have put. And when I say others, this is you know as close to us as family members, right? Some yes, of the of people course. closest to us of label course. us in negative ways. Uh, subconsciously without even trying to, right? Exactly. Um, and, 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 and so we end up growing up with this focus of, uh, or, or focus on this label that we've been kind of categorized and sometimes marginalized in, right? And, and this whole division has now started to separate people. And now I'm growing up with this me, myself, and I, right. me against the world attitude. Right. And, and, and really, you just kind of go deeper and deeper into this belief system that uh, I'm not important, that uh, I'm, whatever I say, whatever I do doesn't matter. And uh, quite honestly, uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Uh, Everything in this universe has been set up for our good and all things happen for the good. It's really just the perspective that we look at things and that, again, taking those filters off, taking those labels off, taking off, calling it bad, taking it off, calling it, judging it, whatever it is. When we take those things off, we really can kind of start to move forward in the freedom that we all really were designed and built to live in. Yes, that is so important. Can you tell us about the organizations and groups that you're involved in? Uh, you know, just tell us a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. Uh, the, the one big one, and I've really uh, been partnering with uh, over the last six months, is uh, the National um, Fatherhood Organization or the National Fatherhood Initiative, um, and it's uh, fatherhood.org. Um, here in Houston, Texas, uh, I'm partnering with an accredited 
uh, adoption foster care agency. Uh, we are piloting, and uh, the agency is piloting for the really in the state of Texas, what's called a 24/7 dad program. Mm. And so I'm uh, there as a mentor and really uh, kind of working with the facilitators uh, as well as in a focus group on how to continue to evolve this program, how to continue to recruit, um, I'm sorry, recruit uh, fathers who want to be better dads because a lot of the guys in there now have been court ordered to come there. And, uh, you know, some guys are there fighting for custody. Some guys already have custody. Uh, There's just the number of guys with different backgrounds. But this group and the National Fatherhood Initiative is is really a, a national training program that provides individuals with affordable, convenient training around five competencies. And, and so it's a 12-week program and we cover really areas on self-care, um, communication, all types of different things to really help dads become better fathers. Um, that's the big initiative that I've really been focused on. Uh, I've been partnering with also the uh, National Conference of State Legislators. So you mentioned this um, symposium about childhood trajectory for prenatal to three years old uh, kids that are in that age group. So, uh, you know, we've connected with a number of states and they're looking at policies now across the country because you said it earlier, right? Traditionally, uh, when it comes to child support in particular, right? If a guy doesn't pay child support, you know, he may end up uh, going to jail, right? And then that impacts his job and all, you know, just the snowball effect with that. Let's turn the tables around and let's say, okay, now we've got a dad who's primary parent, the child lives with the dad, and mom's now ordered to pay child support. And that was a scenario I was in. And uh, I didn't get the child support for three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think the police were knocking at her door trying to find out why dad wasn't getting his child support check? No. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're just but again, you know, you have to understand the Child Support Enforcement Act was put in place initially to protect women from men who didn't want to pay support after they divorced them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so- it kind of we're in a scenario in society now where. Um, a lot of men have now been taken advantage of um, because of this system. Men are looked at as the paycheck and the provider only, right? And so uh, just All looking right. now at policies across state laws that maybe can kind of equalize the inequalities uh, that have been really uh, put in place because of some of these laws. So how can we get in, in contact with you uh, to learn more about you? What's your website? Yeah, so it's uh, B-A-R-R-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-I-I, so barrymorristhesecond.com. Um, All right. You talked about the docuseries, so my partner, uh, Asia Vickers, and I are working on a docuseries about fatherhood, so we're interviewing men and then families across the country uh, and just learning, listening to some of the struggles they have and uh, really talking about uh, some of these issues um, that, that people are dealing with every day, but nobody wanted to kind of bring out in the public. So 
there's a YouTube channel called New Millennium Dad. Um, and uh, we've got some interviews and uh, videos published out there, and we'll be okay. doing that. And then, of course, my book. So I've been working with uh, Hay House right. Publishing for the okay. last six months. Okay. Uh, my essay, The New Millennium Dad, oh. won a, a scholarship. And so I've been coached by New York Times bestselling author Mike Dooley for the last six months to bring this book right. to the public called Tools to Help Parents and Modern Families Thrive. And uh, really, you know, I just want okay. parents, I want families, everybody out here to really okay. start to understand. Right. Well, well, Barry, I am so thrilled with what you have done. Thank you for joining me on my show today for Love and Fatherhood and for your contributions to this valuable cause that affects families and communities around the world. You shed light on situations that exist every day without much conversation around the stress and challenges involved. Not only that, but you share valuable resources that will make a difference. And we encourage our listeners to take advantage of these helpful resources and join your networks for support and know that you're not alone. So thank you so much. And thank we, you. Okay, thank you so much. So we ask that our listeners uh, tune in next week for Empowering Persons with Significant Disabilities with our guest, Augusta Smith. And I've asked listeners to select their special My Love Light journal. On the first page, write, I am worthy, I am light, I am love. Write your insights uh, in your journal. Send me your insights from the show. And I also post the Love Light exercise each week on my website, blog page, www.jeanferrisjourney.com. You can email your results to me as well, or your, your insights, gene72ferris at yahoo.com. The uh, Love Light ex exercise for this week, write down about three descriptions of the best times in your life. Vivid scenes, make it come alive with the people involved. The sights, sounds, feelings, taste, this is joy. Send in your comments and, that, and they will be shared on the show. And periodically, we'll have drawings for uh, my upcoming book, Living in the Spirit of Love, and also uh, books that I've published, Journey to Wholeness, Reflections for Transforming Your Life and the Long Journey Home. So I do look forward to hearing from you. Much gratitude to the Voice America team who made this show a reality and for shining love light around the world. And remember, an empowered self is a loving self and keep your love light shining. Thank you for listening to Love Light this week. Be sure to join Dr. Jean Marie Farish again for another program next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a wonderful week filled with love, self-worth, and better connections.